up where you usually see Renee being the interviewer, someone else being the interviewee, but today we're flipping that and I'm the interviewer and guess what? I will be interviewing my daughter, Renee Montgomery. So let's go ahead and get started. Let me just say that I'm honored to be sitting in the shoes of the interviewer today. Hopefully I can be as good at this as she is. But probably if you're listening to this, you know about Renee's story career and her accomplishments. But I'm going to do a short recap in case this is the first time you're tuning in. So because I'm doing this little uh, recap, it's because I've been there every step of the way. So let's start. When Renee was five years old, she started playing boys basketball and in the boys bitty league. And then she went on to high school to win three state West Virginia girls basketball scholarships and one runner up. She went on to UConn to be a two-time All-American and also win a championship there. And then from there, she went on to professional basketball and she was blessed to win two championships with the Minnesota Lynx and also be uh, during her career, be a all-star and a sixth woman of the year. So that's a quick recap of Renee's background. <laughs> and so today I have a few questions I'd like to ask her. And I'll start with uh, the decision to opt out for the 2020 WNBA season uh, with the Atlanta Dream. You know, I personally know how much basketball meant to you and how hard you worked at it. So I know it's uh, it was a difficult time for you to decide to make that decision to step out or step away from competitive sports. So what are your feelings about hanging up your Kobe's and not dribbling the basketball anymore competitively? Well, first of all, Snooka Booka, look at you coming all prepared and ready. I love it. Thank you for doing this, Snook. Um, I felt like this was, this felt right. You know, if I'm going to do one of these sit downs and just talk about it all, why not talk about it with who's been there every step of the way? So thank you, Snookabooka, for, for switching seats with me. And, you know, for me, it was tough. I mean, you talked about it. It was tough. I started playing when I was five. And, like, when I was five, I was serious. Like, I was serious about basketball at five. And so fast forward to 34, you know, when I decided – well, actually, I was 33 when I opted out. Um, you know, it was difficult because when you're opting out of basketball, you're not just opting out of the sport and actually like shooting the ball and the mechanics of that. You're opting out of the sisterhood in a sense of being in that locker room and and you see all kinds of, of people talk about it. Dwayne Wade has talked about it a lot that locker room atmosphere that you'll miss being a part of the sisterhood the hard practices where you can't even move after practicing you're just sitting in the locker room like oh you're tired but you know you did something amazing so you know when I was thinking about opting out I was thinking about all those things and um then I started to think about the things that I could do when I opt what I could do when I opted out and you know I started to weigh my pros and cons I talked to you Snookabooka I talked to Diddy uh, you know, I talked to my family, my fiance, just everybody that it would affect. And, and I just really felt like it felt right, you know, and even, even though I was leaving something that I was so comfortable with, and I was going to the unknown, which is crazy for me, because everybody that knows me knows I'm routine. And so to break a routine, it was very uncomfortable for me. But you know, the way everything played out, I just really felt like I needed to be in Atlanta in that moment during this movement and it, it really gained momentum. And now it's just, you know, it's a marathon. 
Okay. Okay, next, um, you work with LeBron James in a More Than the Vote campaign, and he tweeted and, and referred to you as the queen for the work you did with his organization. You were recently selected as a 2021 Time 100 selectee, and the uh, article was written by Mayor Keisha Lance Bottoms, so your Atlanta mayor wrote that article about your activism in Atlanta and how you cement at your place in America's long history of leadership and civil rights. First of all, what did you learn from your activism work this past year? A lot, you know, um, I, I don't even, I, I told people outward, like even when I opted out, I didn't really have a plan. Like I just knew I wanted to be in Atlanta. I wanted to have an impact in Atlanta and I didn't know how I was gonna go about it or what I was gonna do. And I was really blessed that it started with more than a vote. You know, they were one of the first people, as you mentioned, LeBron James's crew to reach out to me and just take me under their, their wing and be like, I see what you're trying to do. This is what we're doing. I see a lot of continuity in that. And there's good synergy there. So like, kind of, do you want to do, do what you're doing with us basically? And I was like, what? Yes. Like, and for me, like, again, I didn't have a plan. So then when they reached out to me, it kind of shifted my mind because I started out where I was just giving out waters and I was just wanting to let the community know, look, I'm here. Like, you know, like I'm here, I'm with you. And I was giving out waters. And then I threw a, a pop-up block party on Juneteenth to just have a celebration amongst a lot of tragedy. Because if you can think back to last June, there wasn't a lot that people were celebrating. You know, the pandemic was roaring, um, you know, we're still in it. And there was a lot of deaths, a lot of unknowns, people were losing their jobs. And so I wanted to just be a bright spot. And then it just kind of, it, it snowballed into so much more. The Remember the Third campaign that Chris and I, I started and then just working with Stacey Abrams, the queen of democracy. Like I couldn't even believe that, that I was sitting, you know, they asked me, she has a, um, an organization called Civics for Culture. And, and the premise of that is, a lot of people think that they're not into politics and, and Stacey Abrams always says, even if you're not into politics, politics is into you. That's why they fight so hard for us basically to not want to vote. It wasn't that important. They wouldn't be trying to stop it. And so when I got to sit down and talk to people like a Stacey Abrams and they're telling me they're proud of what I'm doing, that fueled me and, and it turned into to different things. I mean, I am still mind blown that my mayor named Keisha just, you know, did something for me with the time 100. I just like situations like that. It's just like, I'm, I'm so humble because I don't even know how to say thank you. I, you know, it just started with a want to, and then, and, and here I am. Okay. What is your biggest takeaway? You know, uh, we keep mentioning in Atlanta. What is your biggest takeaway from doing all of that work in Atlanta per se, since that is your new home base? <laughs> you know, Atlanta's lit. I, I chose Atlanta. Um, three years into the league, you know, like this is, this is the first place that I bought a home. And now this is going to be my like home forever. And so, you know, when I chose Atlanta nine years ago, I never knew it would, it, it, I would be in this position in Atlanta. But the reason I chose Atlanta is because it's booming as far as business is concerned. And, you know, um, I, I, I see myself as an entrepreneur. And so I saw myself wanting to do a lot of things. So I wanted to be in a city where I could do a lot of things in Atlanta, you know, it's just rich in culture, rich in leaders, as the mayor Keisha Lance Bottom talked about, and just rich in a lot of the things that that I'm excited about. You know, there's a lot of women 
that are bosses here in Atlanta, like running big Fortune 500 companies and just doing big things. And so I was drawn to that because I saw something that I wanted to be in, and, and that was just here in Atlanta. So to be able to have an impact in Atlanta, to just be able to do something positive in a city that's already booming, that was like my dream in the beginning. Okay. Okay, you know, I worked in a college for a number of years, so I was really tuned in to what your major was in college. So at UConn, it was communication. So, you know, how were you able to use the skills you learned from your degree to create such a large media platform? Yeah, you know, a lot of people probably didn't even know that in the beginning that, you know, I went to school for communications because I knew I wanted to be in entertainment. You know, and a lot of people, the first thing they think of when they think of athletes, they're talking about, oh, do you want to be a coach or do you want to be, you know, things that are actually like that? And I, I've always been very vocal about like, I don't think coaching is my route. I think more analyzing the game. And I was blessed to get a, a role with the NBA team here, the Atlanta Hawks and be an analyst for them. But that's kind of where I saw myself. You know, I saw myself being a host, an entertainer um, in a sense of, I, I'm, I, I like to talk to people and interact with people on a, in a large scale. And so that's what, that's literally what TV is. You just interact with people on camera. And so I knew that I liked interacting with people and I wanted that to be my job in a sense of, you know, I like to, to make people happy and I like to try to make people laugh. Um, and so I just, I, I knew that, okay, I have the equipment that I need. And what I mean by equipment is I got this little sheet of paper that says I'm supposed to know what I'm doing. And that's a communications major. And so I just tried to wave that around. And it's crazy because people don't really care. (laughs) People don't really care in a sense. Uh, They want to know your experience. You know, I thought me being a WNBA player was going to open a lot of doors for me right away. And that wasn't the case. Snookabooka, you know, Um, I've taken a lot of meetings I've done a lot of auditions I've done a lot of things to try to get to where I am and so you know I'm proud of where I am because I didn't I didn't have the the yellow brick road in a sense of it wasn't rolled out for me um and I just kind of worked at it you know I worked and worked and worked and um um, and here I am okay well you've done a great job combining your basketball background with the media as you said is the Hawks and the G League sports and now a sports analyst you're a tmz host you have that crazy media personality um, that you're doing that started doing and even you've got your own podcast now remotely renee tell me a little bit about your podcast yeah so my podcast was born in a time where everything had to be remote you know this is the time where if you were doing meetings they definitely weren't going to be face to face they were going to be on zoom or teamworks or something of that nature and so i started to think about it and i was thinking like how are people connecting right now while being remote and i was thinking you know our family we used to have family facetimes during the pandemic and we would literally my whole family nephews nieces um diddy you we would have a a family facetime and we would just talk about what's going on we always of course had to start with prayer because my diddy wasn't gonna get on the facetime unless he was allowed to pray that's how we like reeled him in because my diddy he doesn't like to get on camera he doesn't do any of that so you know we had to like make it a a sweet deal for him so you know we would start out our facetimes with a prayer and he would you know pray for our whole family and then we would pretty much talk about what was going on in our world like how were we adjusting and so that kind of is what started to, to tip my mind on, this is really cool, like to have, to, to connect with my family weekly. And so then I just kind of took it a step further 
and started my own podcast. And I call it, I really think it's our podcast in a sense of, you know, it's called Remotely Renee and it's all things, you know, about me. Everything that's like in my life, you've seen it on the show. So Snook, obviously you're a co-host on the show. Cole, my sister, Nicole Young is a co-host on the show and my manager, Paul Garino is a co-host on the show. And, you know, though, like that's my world. And, you know, my fiance, she's been on an episode. And so there's been, it's been my life through a podcast. And we talk about everything that's going on outside of our family in a sense of hot topics. What's going on in the sports world? What's going on in the business world? What are people doing out there? And how are people connecting? We give a lot of roses. We give roses every week to just someone that's killing it in the community. Um, we just try to just have fun on the show. And I have fun every week. Like I look forward to filming it every week. It's crazy that, you know, we just actually hit 4,000 downloads. And for me, that's exciting in a sense of we're building this just organically, independently. You know, we don't have a machine behind us, but we're just having fun and we're just gaining followers along the way. And so I don't even want to call it followers. We're gaining like just family along the way that people that just like to watch the show and like to watch us interact. And so for me, that's like, I can't believe it. It's like best case scenario. Okay. Well, how has your media platform prepared you for the next step in your career ladder? <laughs> My media, the faces. I love the faces you make, Snooka Booker, because you're so <laughs> into it and I appreciate it. Um, My media platform has really given me a voice, honestly. Um. You know, I've always had a lot to say, especially to my family. Um, and I'm that person on the court that's always talking on the court. And I, I try to be just bring a certain level of energy to everything I do. And so my, the media platforms that I'm involved with, the TMZ, um, just, just the different ones, uh, Fox Sports South, Fox Sports One, ESPN, I'm calling games with them. Those platforms, shouts to NBA TV and TNT, uh, the arena, those platforms give me a voice. They give me, you know, an, an audience to listen to what I have to say. They amplify my voice. And for me, that's all, that's all I could ever ask for in a sense of if you're trying to do something and which I am trying to do, and you're trying to, to educate and you're trying to just enhance, well, you need people to hear what you have to say. And so I've been very fortunate um, in that, in the sense of, you know, everybody knows that I want, I want our community to get more into tech. I want esports, coding, all those different things. You know, usually we only talk about being an athlete or being a doctor, but there's so many more things. I mean, even being a politician where you can literally create change by creating different laws and, and coding. We know that esports, gaming, everything like that is booming. So why not get in it? And I want like, that's, that's kind of what I'm, I'm focusing on, just kind of getting us on board to, to be able to be successful. Okay. Well, let's move on to some new and exciting news that's out there about you. And I'm just so proud and so tickled. I know recently they, you know, you bought into the uh, fan base of football. And so you've been working on that, but the new controlled football league. Yes, yes, yes. The beast, as I understand it, I'm not really into yes. all of that, but I'm trying to catch up. So Please forgive me if I mispronounce or missay something about that league. But at any rate, I'd like to move on to like, wow, I'm just really over overtaken with the news that you've just been uh, announced as one of the new owners and uh, uh, members of the leadership team for the Atlanta Dream. The first time in history that a former player 
has been an owner and a member of the leadership team for a basketball organization, women's basketball organization. So inquiring minds want to know, how did this happen? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, man, it's, it started a long time ago, honestly. Um, I would say in around October, November is where I kind of tried to just figure out okay, how could I go about this? If I hypothetically wanted to do this, like, how do I even go about it? You know, like, how do you go about uh, getting to that seat at the table? And it really started to shift my mind. And what's really crazy is uh, last All-Star was in Chicago and I was talking to Diana Taurasi and she was like, you know what? You know, my mind is on ownership. And she was just talking that ownership talk. And I was like, yo, that's lit. And she's like, you ain't thinking about ownership. I'm thinking about ownership. And I was like, ah you know and she was just like so sure about it and she's right you know there's 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 the decision makers and then there's us complaining about who's not getting hired and who's not you know what's not the representation that's needed and and then you start to think well we're talking about not enough minority coaches and we're talking about not enough minorities and manage managerial roles but we don't even still mention not enough minorities in the ownership seats. And so I started, it just started to pick my brain. Like I just started to think a lot about it. I talked to you Snookabooka about it. And, and then, you know, I actually even went to, to the point where we were already talking to a group about it. And there was a group of investors, you know, one guy had, had DM'd me and, you know, I get a lot of kind of wacky DMs, but shouts to Ken, um, he DM'd me and he was just really interested in, in trying to, to see if he could get a group together to buy the dream. And so I was like, huh, yes, I'm, I'm definitely interested too. So if we can make that happen, let's do it. Um, long story short, that fell through. Um, then, you know, I reached out to LeBron James's team. Uh, you know, it went dormant for a couple, a little while. And then I reached out to LeBron James's team, shouts to Adam, shouts to Adisu. And I just, you know, told them what the situation was like, look, I've tried to do it kind of on my own, but I really want to, to have a seat at that table and just have that type of representation, not even just as a minority, as a woman, but as an athlete, like, you know, us sitting in that seat, the other side of the table. And, you know, people talk about, oh, there's coaches that we call players coaches that are just like, they get it, they understand. And so I want to be like a, a, a player's stakeholder in a sense of, that that I get it, I understand the player perspective. And so I'm making decisions from that vantage point. And so, you know, long story short, I got in touch with the right people. Um, big, big thank you to Kathy, our commissioner, Kathy Engelbert, who was just instrumental in just helping things move along smoothly, you know, and 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 then the more people, the further in I got, you know, it just an outpouring of just well wishes uh, Sheila Johnson you know a Jenny from Seattle and just just the outpour of well wishes that just I, I was overwhelmed and so you know when it finally became real I didn't even know if it was gonna like it's, it still doesn't even feel real a little bit but once it got announced and, and everything it started to feel real and I was like wow okay so now I got to figure out how can we connect the community to the Atlanta dream because we're here and we're clearly down for Atlanta. And, you know, I want the community to be behind us. And that means the businesses and that means the corporations, the organizations. Like I want everybody to get behind us because we're trying to do something special here. 
Okay, I think you answered uh, one of the questions I was getting ready to ask you, but I was going to ask, uh, what do you think the benefits of being an owner of a team you just pl finished playing your playing career with, but, <clears throat> excuse me, I'll go on with, how do you feel you can impact the game of women's basketball as an owner? Yeah, well, you know, I, I need to mention <laughs> Northland. And when I'm talking about Northland, I want to mention Larry, I want to mention Suzanne, because, you know, for me, I want to be somebody that stands for something. And so if the ownership group that was buying into the dream and I'm trying to join that ownership group, if we have opposing views, that would be difficult for me because it just it would be more of the same in a sense of I don't know if I would be able to create the type of impact that I wanted to and, and the type of change that I wanted to. But man, when I met Northland and I just saw their principles and what they stand for, and that's women empowerment. Um, social justice like their company is already based on these three pillars um trying to erase homelessness i was really excited you know and when i got on the phone with larry and when i got on the phone with suzanne and just how i heard them talk about you know this isn't a one-year plan you know larry you know he talks about he thinks in decades and for me that's exciting because stability is everything in sports you know you see the teams that have the turnovers and so much turnover and it's tough it's tough for players it's tough for management it's tough for everyone and so I loved hearing that, okay, Northland is, is, is here to stay. They're excited. They've already been into women's basketball. You know, they, they were one of the groups that wanted to, to, to buy in earlier for different teams. And so kind of just hearing their path, it was exciting for me. And so then whenever, you know, they tasked me with being in charge of community and marketing, I was like, what? Yes. Like, you know, that's, that's the two things that I would love to have a hand in in a sense of, you know, I just want to have an input in what's going on because I feel very connected to Atlanta. I feel very connected to the culture here and I want to connect those two worlds, the Atlanta dream to that. And so I was excited, you know, I was excited. I was so excited because there's so many things I want to do. There's so many people that I'm going to be reaching out to and I'm just hopeful. You know, I think the WNBA last year, it, it we, you know, what, what the players of the WNBA did last year, put the WNBA on the map. And so I'm just so excited for, for what could happen in the future. Okay. Tell me specifically, what are some of the goals you have yeah. uh, as a dream owner? Oh, I'd say some of the goals would be to just community and, and, you know, we're a business in a sense of sports is a business. And of course we want to, we want it to, to be booming, but the first steps are community. And of course we want our team to be good too. Of course I'm a competitor. So I want some dubs. I want some wins, but I want some wins all around. Like, I think that we have to, to make sure that the community knows we're here for them. And I would love if the community in return kind of supported us and, and showed us we're here for, they're here for us because that's, that's really the goal. You know, I'm thinking year one, I'm just talking specific goals just out the gates. You know, we're close, the season is close. It's not like we have a, a long runway. So for me, one of the goals is just being present, you know, having the Atlanta dream be visible in the community, be present in the community, People know our players because our players are special. You know, the WNBA, it's not, it's like, it's not like a lot of leagues in a sense of these players, you know, I still even want to say we, because I feel like I'm a part of the sisterhood, but in a sense of players are connected, players are educated. If you didn't pay attention to last year, how organized the WNBA is. And so I want people to, to see the players for what they're worth and the WNBA for what they're worth. So 
year one, the specific goals are being visible in the community, getting some wins, doing well on the court, and then just starting to build a culture that players can get behind, organizations can get behind, and the community can get behind. Okay, great, great. Okay, in addition to breaking the glass ceiling on players becoming owners, do you feel your move will open up more options for women players uh, who are nearing retirement from basketball and why? Oh man, I hope so. You know, I, I really hope so. I think that that's what I said I was so excited about. And, you know, there's that Hamilton that I always, you know, reference to, but I want to be in the room where it happens. And that's, to me, it is important because you, you start to think about, oh man, I wish I could, I could fix this, or I wish that somebody knew this. And then like, you could be that somebody. And so I hope that it becomes a thing that happens more and more often where teams start to realize, huh, we have these great assets just right here. The players, they've experienced it. They've lived the life. They understand the ins and outs of the sport, of the game, of the WNBA. Of course we should hire them. Like they, the, the knowledge is off the charts. And so I hope it starts to become like a, a common thing and a no brainer. You know, you got to swim cash and uh, with the Pelicans, she's in the upper management, but I, I, I hope it starts to become more common because I mean, athletes, who's more equipped to help run an athletic organization than an athlete. Okay, great, great. And I'm kudos to that because, you know, it's always difficult, especially when players retire at a very young age. You know, when you're retiring in your 30s, you have a long time uh, before you hit that magic age before you can draw Social Security at 62. Oh so you God, definitely yeah. need some kind of goal or some kind of plan in mind to be able to, you know, adequately take care of yourself. So uh, kudos for, for that and, and inspiring people, uh, especially young female athletes to look and see that there's things beyond the basketball court that they might be able to do after they, you know, hang up their Kobe's. Okay. So in last question, uh, where do you see the dream in five years? Oh man, you know, the goal is to get the Atlanta dream to be, you know, one of those North star teams in a sense of like just a team that players say, man, that's a good organization. I would love to play for them. You know, like just getting to that point where our culture, our winning culture, our, how we treat our players, it, it draws the players in in itself. And, you know, there's, there's, there's already teams here that have those those type of standards and we got to get there. You know, that's a that's something that's going to happen over time, you know, like us getting a home, a, a home arena like those things are going to happen over time. And so what I see the dream being is is a, a destination, you know, for for free agency, you know, where free agents like it's hard to say no to Atlanta. You know, I want us to be that type of team where we're winning and we have the good management and we have a good organization and the players love to play for us that's where I see us in five years. And I think it's a very obtainable goal because, you know, a lot of WNBA players live here in Atlanta. They don't play for Atlanta, but they might live here in Atlanta because they like the city. They like the culture. So we just need to fix a couple of things, but we already have the city, you know, the city sells itself. This is Atlanta. And so I'm, I'm so excited for, for what we have to work with and, and where we can go. Okay. Well, any final words you want to share with us to wrap it up? Oh man, I would, well, first of all, thank you, Snook. That was like, I didn't know, you know, I didn't know how that was going to go, but that was, that was amazing how you, you did that. And I just want to say, you know, we're, with me, this is an unknown position that I'm going to, but I've always 
just bet on faith and and just faith in people and faith in and hard work. And so I'm going to do all of that when I'm, you know, going into this Atlanta dream uh, endeavor and this journey. And because I'm excited and I just really want people to to just show their support, you know, just the WNBA, we're trying to grow. This is going to be our 25th year coming up, 25th anniversary. So we're young. And so I just want people to like, to not just support us via tweets, which I want us to support us on social media, but I want people to support us by watching, by following storylines, by, you know, following our players and just following our journey because I'm excited about the journey and I want everyone to take that journey with us because I talk about it all the time, you know, moments equal momentum and we got a lot of momentum going right now. And so I want to keep it going and, and, and keep this movement rolling. Okay. Well, thank you. And needless to say, you know, I'm very proud of you and all of your accomplishments. And, and I know that you do great things in the future. And I'd like to thank everyone who's joined us for this, uh, for this interview. And I look forward to seeing you on Remotely Renee. Thank you. Thank you, Snickerbooka. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.